Good Monday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us live in downtown Charlottesville from our building, the Macklin Building, on a show today presented by Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine. Who's got your back? Dr. Wagner's got your back. Scott Wagner of Scott Wagner Integrated Medicine undoubtedly has your back. A lot to cover on today's show. One programming note um, for your consideration, and I would encourage you guys to put this on your calendar now. Bust out your iPhone, put it in your calendar. Uh, Mayor Lloyd Snook and Councillor Michael Payne on the Friday edition of Real Talk here on the I Love Seville Network. Lloyd Snook, Michael Payne, Friday edition of Real Talk on the I Love Seville Network. That's 10.15 a.m. on Friday. Michael Payne and Lloyd Snook are running for city council. Deshaun Cooper, the 20-something Democrat who is looking to get in the game, also running for city council. There are three spots up for grabs. As far as I know, there are no independents running for city council. So we should know who's going to be our councilors, three of five, for the next four years in June for the Democratic primary. We do not have an independent running for council in Charlottesville, nor do we have a Republican. As a result, the Democratic primary will determine who is on the dais. And as of now, three open spots and only three people running. Michael Payne and Lloyd Snook look like they're the front runners to get elected again. Deshaun Cooper, who's never held a public office in his life, right now he's one of three guys that are going to determine the future of Charlottesville for the next four years. I'm hearing through the grapevine Bob Fenwick is working to collect signatures so he can make a push for council as well. Bob Fenwick, of course, famous for driving around city limits in a white work van, the one with the sliding door on the side, the one where if you're close to a stoplight and you see that van show up, you're like, whoa, you're thinking twice about standing next to it. No shade on Bob Fenwick, more shade on the white work van than, of course, on a, a guy who's come on this network and I have a lot of respect for. All right, a lot to cover on today's program. More gunshots in Charlottesville. Fortunately, this time, no one was injured, no one was shot, no cars were struck. Where did the bullets go? If someone is shooting a gun and they did it within the last 24 hours on the uh, intersection of Dice Street and 6th Street, and the police department is reporting that no one was struck by the gunfire and no objects or vehicles were, were struck. Where do the bullets go? If you're, staying, if you're standing on 6th Street and Dice Street and you're shooting up, are you looking to make a statement, where do the bullets go if they don't hit a house, a car, or a human, or trees, anything else? Where do they go? Does anyone know? I genuinely have that question. The police said no one was injured and no property was damaged. Where do the bullets go? Trees, lawns. Is that where they go? They just get buried in yards? Yeah. They get land in trees? I mean, where do... I, I would very curiously love to know where those bullets go. All right, I'm going to ask this question for you, the viewer and listener. What is the most unsafe neighborhood in Charlottesville city limits? If you were alone completely by yourself and stranded on the side of the road or having to navigate an unknown neighborhood in city limits, what is the most unsafe neighborhood 
in the city of Charlottesville? I'll ask that question and answer it on today's program. I'll get Judah Wickhauer's take as well. Michael Kochis, the police chief, newly minted, says it's not drugs and gangs that are driving the gun violence. Instead, it's youth that are settling beefs with guns. I don't think you said it wasn't gangs. Well, he said it wasn't drugs and robbery. Yeah. Okay, so I'll I'll clarify. Word choice is important. Two-shot Judah B. Wickhauer, director of the program. You're right. He clarified at a Buford gun violence community forum that it was not robberies and drugs that were driving this gun violence. Robberies and drugs. He also emphasized it's youth looking to settle beef and squabbles with guns. Yeah. So we'll talk about that community forum. I was hoping to go a few days without talking about guns on this show. And frankly speaking, and I I mentioned this last week, I almost didn't even bring this up, the Dice Street and Sixth Street gunfire, the spraying of bullets, because no one was shot. No cars were damaged. Unlike the one last week behind the porno shop, Ultimate Bliss, behind the Best Buy, right? There were cars that were riddled with bullets. Yeah. They got peppered with bullets. Mm-hmm. This particular one, the police has clearly stated no property damage. So I almost didn't bring this up. Then mm-hmm. I felt like I was doing a disservice to the community not continuing this, keeping it in the news cycle, because we know we have the media outlets watch the show, Judah. What were you, what were you about to say? What was, on, what was on the tip of the tongue? Good afternoon. Happy Monday to you. I mean, for all we... Happy Monday. Uh, I mean, for all we know, this is someone, you know, shooting... A gun off into the air. Shooting in the air? Uh, I mean, in a neighborhood? I mean, you got the map, right? Yeah. Did you get the map we can put on screen? Judah Wickhauer does a great job with these maps. So we know where the gunfire is. Let us know when it's up there. There it is. Juan Sarmiento, I'm worried about that, that as well. I'll get to you in a, in a matter of moments, Juan. I love when you watch the program, Juan Sarmiento. Look at the screen. Here's where the most recent gunfire was. You just got a map on screen, a Google map on screen with a red circle around it. And it kind of does a good job of depicting where this happens. We try to do this every time. I mean, you're basically talking, you're, you're, you're a hop, skip, and a jump from the ice cream shop, right? I mean, this is, this is Fife Phil. This is right behind the ABC store. This is right behind Blue Moon Diner. It's a block behind the ABC store and Blue Moon Diner. You can go, this puts in perspective, Judah, this puts in perspective, keep the map on screen. This puts in perspective gun violence, okay? And this really is a a microcosm of Charlottesville. Two blocks from where this happened is shenanigans where you can buy toys for $140 a piece. You can go to a Tony and Swanky toy store two blocks from where this gunfire transpired. Yeah. You got the ABC store, you got Blue Moon, it's behind Orzo. Juan Sarmiento, the king of transportation, one of Louisa County's finest residents, says if you shoot them up in the air, there's no idea where they will go once they come down. It's extremely dangerous. Yeah. You shoot them in the air, you have no idea where they're going to go when they come down. I'd I'd love to know where these bullets went. Oh, yeah. When I see videos of people shooting guns off into the air because they're celebrating something, it's like, okay, uh, 
who did you just kill? I mean, it's not like it's not guaranteed it's going to come down on a person, but uh, that's not a very comforting guarantee. Juan Sarmiento says a boy was killed several years ago in Spotsylvania County on the Fourth of July from a bullet after it was shot in the air. Yeah, that's how it happens. Yeah, they they do come back down. So it, it leads it, it it asks this question. It's a fair question. And Kevin Higgins says that little boy was walking in a parade with his dad when a bullet found him and oh, killed him. That's terrible. Gosh, that is terrible. I did not know that, Kevin Higgins. That breaks my heart. Kevin Higgins, thank you for that insight. Don't shoot guns in the air. Yeah. This isn't like Billy the Kid time where, where you're shooting guns on the open plain right. and it's not a densely populated area. Yeah. I mean, has anyone seen Young Guns, especially Young Guns 1? When, when, when um, Emilio Estevez is throwing out of the, the house uh, all the bandits, Billy the Kid and his, uh, and, his, and, his, uh, and his friends were in a house that was catching on fire. The law was outside. And one of the strategies they had for escaping was put Billy the Kid in a chest, throw him out the window as the house is being set on fire, the second floor window of an attic, and he comes out of this chest where he's tucked because they didn't expect him in the chest. They were trying to throw stuff out the window because they didn't want it to burn. And he comes out of the chest, guns a-blazing, shooting the, shooting the authorities outside the house. That's Young Guns 1. It's a great movie. Um, Kevin with- Higgins, I appreciate you sharing that. Go ahead, Judah Wickhauer. What does that have to do with shooting guns into the air? I mean, in, 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 in Billy the Kid's time or in Young Guns time, you could just shoot them in the air and they just land in the dirt. You didn't have a lot of close neighbors. Here, if someone legitimately is holding a gun on six and dice and firing in the air, he's doing it in a neighborhood that has thousands of people. Yeah. I mean, there's probably th- there's <clears throat> thousands of people that live in Fifeville. There's no guarantee to land in Fifeville. Right, right, right. I don't know the... Uh, I've never done the math on how far, how far the- a bullet will go at what angles, but uh, I would imagine it, they can go a pretty decent distance. Yeah, well said. Lonnie Murray, the king of the environment, watching this program... Offering a comment strictly as a citizen today. Lonnie Murray says this. I'd love to know when youth are caught with guns. Has anyone compiled any statistics on where they are getting these weapons? If Matt Daring is watching today's program, and occasionally he does, he often shares insight into the amount of guns that are owned in this community. Um, And guns far outnumber citizens. Matt, if you're watching, share that statistic again if you could. The amount of guns owned in America far outnumber the amount of Americans. What are there, roughly 330 million Americans, Judah? Something like that. I think there's roughly 330 million Americans. Look at how many guns are owned in America. I learned this from Matt. We disagree on a lot of stuff, but I do like his, uh, his comments. Lonnie, it's a great question. I would love to know where youth are getting guns from, too. I would imagine it's a combination of stealing from cars and houses, taking from parents without their knowledge, or straight up just purchasing it on the proverbial black market. Yeah. It's entirely too easy to get guns right now, especially of the high caliber. That's a topic for another day. Lonnie, I mentioned this live on air. What's the most unsafe neighborhood, would you say? 
I mean, for me, it's a clear cut. There's Matt Daring. Thank you, Matt. He says it's 1.44 guns per person in this country. So let's just do this. Let's say Central Virginia, all of Central Virginia, and Central Virginia is Charlottesville City, Albemarle County, Nelson, Louisa, Orange, Green, Fluvanna, Keswick, Barbersville. Central Virginia is vast. Let's say there's 300,000 people in Central Virginia. That's a smidge high, but that's a good number. 300,000 people in Central Virginia. 300,000 times 1.44. That's $432,000 gun, 432,000 guns in this market. 1.44 guns per person. 1.44 times 300,000. It's 432,000 guns in Central Virginia. That's why a lot of people that are against the gun buyback program say, what is getting a few guns off the street when we have roughly 432,000 of them in our market? And I understand that point. It's also misleading, though, I think, because uh, it's not like, I mean, I don't have a gun. I'm pretty sure you don't have a gun. I don't have a gun. I have a pocket knife. Then Your pocket knife is on you, right? Yeah, I've got a pocket knife. Let's whip out that pocket knife. Whip it out on screen. Show us your, your most scary maneuver that you would do. Okay, you're in a scary neighborhood. We've got to figure out what the scary neighborhood is. All right, I'm going to set the stage here. Your car just broke down. It is now 1 in the morning. You were on a date. You thought you were going to spend the night at her house. Instead, you're driving home just after 1 in the morning. You're coming from her house after you dropped her off. You're heading to your home. You have Liza now from the back seat sitting shotgun because she wasn't sitting shotgun previously because the girl that you were wooing was and sitting this is shotgun. Charlottesville? You left her house. Now Liza's in the front seat because you just dropped her off. You thought you were going to spend the night, but unfortunately it's not going to happen. You still got a second date out of it, so it's a good thing. You're broken down in an unsafe neighborhood. You feel like you have to protect yourself. What is the scary maneuver you're going to do with the pocket knife you have in your pocket right now? The show is yours, Judah Wickhauer. I'm, show us your with scary all this maneuver. Violence? Am, am I an idiot? Show us your scary move. What is your scary move? Show us your scary move. That's not scary. That is not I'm intimidating. I, there is no scary move. <laughs> Bringing a knife to a gunfight? That's the stupidest thing I've heard of. All right. I your opponent have, has no gun. You're, I still want to see your scary move. Just show me your I scary don't move. Have a, I don't know what, what is your scary about, move? Jerry. Okay, he doesn't what have What am I going to walk around? Here, here's my knife. If anyone wants to see the Is knife. this your scary move? That's a great knife. Yeah, it's a cool knife. My sister got it for me for... Was uh, that your scary move? Yeah, I'm going to show them my knife. Actually, Liza is scarier than any uh, knife I could pull out of my pocket. I've seen Liza. While she looks scary, it takes about four seconds for someone to realize that all she's going to do is lick someone's face. Yeah. She's the nicest dog in the whole, the whole world. I mean, Bill McChesney is, says, flight, not fight. This is Charlottesville. What I've are you walked, saying? I'm saying I've walked 10 blocks through South Central at 3 in the morning. In Los Angeles. You were also 19 years old. Charlottesville. You have way more experience and perspective, maturation, and wits about you now. I would imagine the Judah Wickhauer that I know today is not going to be walking through South Central at 1 in the morning anymore. You did that as a freshman at USC. 3 in the morning. 3 in the morning. And I didn't have a choice. It's not like I wanted to walk through South Central Los Angeles at 3 in the morning. But uh, the point being that I'm not going to have a problem 
walking through a neighborhood in Charlottesville. What's the scariest neighborhood in Charlottesville? Viewers and listeners, what's the scariest neighborhood in Charlottesville? And how many of you viewers and listeners, a really serious, important, and difficult question for you viewers and listeners. How many of you wanted to see Judah Wickhauer's scary move? I certainly did. I, Can you give us a scary move? I mean, what am I supposed to do? Like spin it around in my fingers or something? I, I honestly <laughs> oh, dude, don't. If you do that, I, I honestly that's must see TV. I honestly don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with this that uh, that is going to scare. It's like a whip out move. Gonna, Perception is reality. How are you going to perceive a scary? It doesn't. It it snaps shut and it doesn't like. I, I'm not going to like. Okay. Like, oh, that's, that's scary. That's supposed to be my scary that's move. So scary. Yeah, so scary. Carol Thorpe says we're called Shotsville, Virginia. That's Shotsville? Her, her new moniker for Charlottesville. Shotsville. Shots Virginia. firedville? Shotsville. Mm. Albert Graves says teens get guns off the black market. Hell, you could even make them with a 3D printer. How many of those guns are owned by law-abiding citizens? It's a great question. Matt Daring, the king of bicycling. A lot of times guns illegally are gained from unlocked um, unlocked boxes and houses, and a high percentage are stolen from cars. 100% on the cars thing. 100% on the cars thing. We have, I, I need to give that statistic. According to 1.44 guns per American, and that's the, uh, a statistic that you could find online, 1.44 guns per each member in Central Virginia means we have roughly 432,000 guns in Central Virginia. Matt Daring, is that 1.44 gun metric or stat, is that adults only, or can I extrapolate 1.44 guns times 300,000 people in Central Virginia? Or do I have to extrapolate that number based on adults only? I would not think you have to do adults only because a lot of minors and juniors and teens and underage kids are being caught with guns. And Katya said at the Buford uh, Gun Violence Forum that it was kids and teens mainly using these, these guns <coughs> to squabble beef. Can I do a 1.44 times 300,000 people in Central Virginia and get 432,000 guns? Or is that based on an adult metric? I'm, I'm genuinely asking. Judah, what's on the medulla oblongata over there? I see the wheels turning. Uh, I'm just trying to figure out what you're trying to calculate. I want to see how many guns on average are in Central Virginia. But didn't he give you that number? Yeah, but I'm, I'm trepid. I'm concerned that that 1.44 is tied to an adult um, demographic only. Can I truly extrapolate 1.44 times 300,000 citizens? Or do I have to whittle that 300,000 300, people down? Because oh, some of those 300,000 people are, for example, my youngest son, four months old today. Sweetheart, we got to four months with number two. I mean, I would imagine that, that, I love that you, those babe. numbers are somewhat uh, guesstimated anyways. Because how, you, you can't take into account all the gun. Like, how do you take into account the, the number of guns that, uh, that teens have in Charlottesville? It's not like they're reporting them to someone, especially if they, especially if they stole them from someone's car or got them uh, from a buddy who got them off the black market. That's, that's a great question. Matt, what are your thoughts on what Judah just said right there? What are your thoughts on what Judah just said? That's great, great right there. This is out of my pay grade. Uh, John Blair, similar incident in Chesterfield County where a young boy died from a bullet shot in the air, and then he shares the link on LinkedIn um, John Blair watching on LinkedIn. Thank you kindly, kindly for sharing this. I mentioned 
it live on air. All right, so what's the most, we, we, we haven't given a direct answer on this. Viewers and listeners, what is the most unsafe neighborhood in city limits? What is the one neighborhood you would not want to be caught in by yourself after hours on March 27, 2023? Dylan's Rule, I'll get to you. Um, Warrior AG, I'll get to you. Um, Twitter, fire it up. Where would you not want to get caught? Judah, you're on for that one. You get a tough question first. Dylan's Rule, what neighborhood do you get scared? What Dylan's Rule, what neighborhood would you not want to be in right now? Same with you, Albert Graves. Same with you, Matt Daring. Same with you, Lonnie Murray. Same with you, Carol Thorpe, Bill McChesney, Kevin Higgins, Kevin Yancey. All of you guys, what neighborhood? What is it for you? Juan Sarmiento. Uh, it would probably be some. It would probably be between uh, Fifeville and the Tenth and Page area, just from having you know driven through those neighborhoods in the past. Yeah. Interesting. I I, I think you're all over it. Um, interestingly. It's almost unfair for each of those neighborhoods to be grouped in their respective totalities because the violence, in, for the most part, is happening in pockets of those neighborhoods. Yeah, definitely. But it's just happening in those neighborhoods, so they're the catch can of it all. Yeah. But if you look at it, it it's, it's very um, pocketed to 10th and Page and pocketed to Fifeville right now. Right. Um, it's, 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 it's a concern. Uh, Bill McChesney says Dice Street. He, uh, also Matt Daring put the, if you're on my Facebook page, you'll see the, uh, a link he shared for his statistics. And he says a slight correction, 1.39 guns per person, 466 million guns in America, divided by 334,547,975 Americans. Um, So about 1.39 guns per person in our country. That is an eye-opening statistic. That's an eye-opening statistic. And I'm a man who believes in the right to bear arms levels of the right to bear arms. But 1.39 guns per Americans, aye. That really puts things in perspective. Juan Sarmiento says right behind the city yard, 10th and Page and Fifeville. He would not want to live right behind the city yard. That would be the area he thinks is the most unsafe. I think you said walk. Walk. I did say walk. Thank you. Word choice is important. Thank you for clearing that up. Walk. That's a great, that's a very micro location right behind the city yard. I think that's, that might be the spot right there. This number only includes adults over 18. In the link that Matt shared? Yeah. It only includes adults over 18? No, this is how many gun owners in America. 46% of American households own at least one firearm. 32% of Americans say they personally own a firearm. This means that 81, more than 81 0.4 million Americans own guns. This number only includes adults over 18. And obviously, it's only, it's, only, uh, it's only people who have reported owning guns. Curtis Shaver has a great question. Curtis Shaver, love when you watch the program. He says, how many of those guns are just hunting rifles and shotguns, however? Right. I would say a good chunk of them. That's true, too. A, like, a good chunk of them are that. My, my parents have several guns, but like one of them is, is uh, you know, it looks like an old you know, cowboy revolver. Does it work? I would assume it does. I haven't tried it. Jonathan says, can we see Judah's scary face again? 
Well, I don't know what I did on the scary face. What was it? <laughs> I don't know. Whatever you did, it scared the hell out of Jonathan. Was that my scary face? Oh, look at that. Uh, you have to hold the gun, the knife, uh, too. Oh, I got to hold the knife, too? Can you do that? That is scary, dude. That is terrifying. I would not mess with you. Lonnie Murray, 3D printed guns might be able to fire once and aren't what I'd call safe. They will explode, they will explode in your hand within three shots. Lonnie Murray, I love when you watch the program. I sincerely mean that, Lonnie. Um, I'll say where Juan Sarmiento said. King of Transportation says, right behind the city yard, 10th and Page, and then Fifeville 3rd. So he'll say right behind the city yard is the most unsafe area he thinks to walk in. Would you make of Katja saying that this is not drug and robbery related? I mean, it makes sense. How many, how, how many robberies have we heard of happening? Is he saying that to make the community feel more at ease? Does he need to? I mean, I'll ask it again. How many robberies have we heard of that were... I mean, first of all, how many robberies have you heard of recently? Not and many. And second, how many have you heard of where, where guns were involved? Not many. I uh, I'll, I'll counter, I'll, I'll, I'll add to what you just said. I'll add to what you just said. Part of the narrative is certainly that this, viol- this violence is drug-related. He says, and he makes a point to emphasize it's not drug-related. Is he doing that to dispel the notion that Charlottesville is, as Carol Thorpe has called it, and I think it's a clever moniker, Carol, Shotsville. Is he making sure to emphasize this to change the narrative? And a follow-up question is this. Is the narrative that's being spun accurate and fair? Or is the narrative that's being spun a narrative of past circumstances or a narrative of profiling? Can you explain that a little more? I mean, the, the, the feeling the vibe, the energy throughat most of this deep throat I'll get to your comments here. Dylan's rule I'll get to your comments. The feeling and the vibe and the energy throughout the last six, seven months has been gang, drug and gun violence. Gang drug and gun violence. Gang drug and gun violence. Koch is saying it's not drugs. <clears throat> is the narrative that's being spun? a reflection of what people want it to be? Is the narrative that's being spun truly accurate and fair, or is it an example of profiling? I think the biggest, uh, the biggest examples of what I th- thought of as uh, sounding like, um, like in, involve, involving drugs were the, um, there was the, the um, Gordonsville 20-year-old with his younger brother went that, into 10th and Page in a pickup truck and got killed, body hanging out of the truck, openly said they were going to buy drugs. I don't remember him openly saying he was going to buy drugs, but I remember hearing something about him, you know... The younger brother said, I brought him into this. Lamenting. I thought it was yeah. the older brother. Oh, younger but, brother. Older brother actually was the one who died, who was murdered. Okay, well, yeah. I, Gordonsville sounded, guy. That, to me, sounded like... Uh, I, I, from what I'd heard, it was more of a, the guy was saying, uh, you know, it's, it's my fault, I got him into this. Uh, sounded like 
it may have been drug related. And then there was that uh, there was the murder in um, uh, Belmont that sounded like uh, sounded like some kind of crazy uh, crazy gang hit or attempt at uh, stealing someone else's drugs or kidnapping someone. Um, but most of the others, I wouldn't really say that they sounded a whole lot like, uh, you know, like a drug deal gone bad or... People trying to protect her for the drug trade. Comments coming in fast and furious. Dylan's yeah. rule on Twitter says, I've seen nuns praying the rosary beads that are scarier than Judah's scary move and scary face. <laughs> Dylan's rule. I believe it. The Sisters of Mercy were very influential in my maturation and development. I went to a Catholic school growing up. The, from sisters, the sisters of the Festering Cold Sore. Fourth grade until graduation, senior in high school, I went to a Catholic school. And the Sisters of Mercy, Sister Virginia, Sister Juliana, Sister Gabe, Sister Virginia, Sister um, Carol, they were tough. The Sisters of Mercy often showed... No mercy. Very little mercy. Deep Throat says, it's not so much a given neighborhood that I would be scared of. Instead, it's close proximity to any C-R-H-A property. And he provided the data a few weeks ago of how a lot of these shootings are associated with folks that are living in Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority properties. Section 8 voucher program housing, according to Deep Throat, is breeding a lot of this crime. And he's got the data to back it up. He legitimately, Deep Throat, has a map where the shootings have happened. Yeah. And he puts spots where those shootings happen. And then he overlays another map where the CRHA properties are located. And he puts that map on top of the map of the shootings. And you'll see very close proximity to those CRHA properties and the shootings from a location standpoint. You got something you want to add there? You look pensive. Uh, I was you just did that look of, where you want to say something. thinking of how to... How to phrase this uh i think sometimes the people that have the least are willing to go the farthest to protect it if that I, don't, I don't follow try that a different way uh people living in crha housing uh are oftentimes well th- i mean it's low-income housing right yeah so these these could reasonably uh, you could reasonably say that these are people with very little. They're not working, you know, fifty thousand dollars a year jobs, uh, and so what little they have, I, I think maybe they're um, there's a I don't know if it's a an outlook a uh, um, whatever it is. I think I, it's a sense of desperation. Well, yeah, it's a sense of desperation. And that desperation, as you have aptly characterized in previous shows, becomes much more determined or, 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 or impactful or influential when 
credit card debts out of control, when, when the only job that you can get is potentially a $12, 13 $14 an hour job and 12 13 or 14 bucks an hour, if that, as you've said, ain't going to get you much in this town. As the divide becomes more palpable and tangible and the wealth divide has become more palpable and tangible, the sense of demoralization, the sense of I will not ever be able to to be welcomed yeah. in this exclusive club becomes much more difficult to swallow. Yeah. If and one, that's what's happening. If one more person tells me to pull myself up by the bootstraps. Yeah. Uh, the latte factor. Drink one less coffee per day. Yeah. The old Dave Ramsey theory. Drink one less coffee per day. Yeah. You, and, you, you drink one less $4 coffee a day, you're going to save what? 50 bucks a week? You're going to get an extra 200 bucks a month, maybe an extra 2,500 bucks a year, 2,500 bucks a year. What's that going to get you? Not we much. told you last week, the entry point in Almoral County in the city of Charlottesville, if you want a three bedroom, two bath, is $235,000. The Ville's of Southern Ridge. I got a rental property in that, pro- in that complex. Yeah. $235,000 is the entry point for Charlottesville to Almoral County if you want a three bedroom, two bath. House goes on. Condo. It's a condo, not a house. Condo goes on the market. Within five days, it goes under contract. Within five days. $235,000. In January, you know what that number was? It was two seventeen. dollars From January to the end of March, the villas at Southern Ridge, a place that used to be the hood, that is now a condo complex, for sale. It used to be the place you didn't go. Twenty grand, roughly in appreciation? In two months? Yeah. I mean, and good it, for the haves, not good for the have-nots. And they were, and to, be, and to be fair, they were already out of, most, out of a lot of people's range before it started uh, jumping up, before these prices started getting completely and utterly insane. You're saying the villas were? I'm, I'm saying even before the prices started shooting up, a lot of these places were already out of range for uh, for people. I mean, for people living in uh, CRHA housing, they were never going to be no. They were never going to be buying a, a place in uh, in the villas. No, even before the even before the prices shot up twenty percent. Maybe that gets back to the statement Ray Cadell likes to make: not everyone's destined to be a homeowner. That's yeah. That's an that's an easy thing to say. Um, and I think he's. I think he's really talking about people that choose whether or not they want to buy or rent. Uh, I think we're talking about people that will never have a choice. Well, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that John Blair. Are you still watching? John Blair tagged me in some some great tweets over the weekend. He was talking about tweets. He tagged me in was was tweets associated with. Uh, owning vehicles, and how the used car market they're now predicting is never truly going to be stable again, the used car market. So the likelihood of a a two-parent family having two cars moving forward is becoming very unlikely because of the cost of the vehicles now and the fact that they're not stabilizing. It's utter insanity. So we're, we're, we're basically talking, there was a time... I, I am, my brother and I are children of entrepreneurs. My dad, a small business owner, 
My mom worked in the small business my dad ran, owned, started. They owned it together. They were married. They owned it together. He was a CPA. My mom was the front of the house, the, the, did everything, the glue that kept the small business going. My dad, the CPA, a lot of the brains, but really what my mom was doing was paramount to the success of the family business. It was a one-income family. Our family of four was a one-income family. But that one income was able to put two kids through Catholic school. That one income was able to afford two vehicles. That one income was able to afford a nice home. And that one income was able to save for their boys the start of college tuition. Tell me you can do that now. Nobody's going to tell you you can do that now. Tell me you can do that now, realistically. Anyone? And a lot of times folks make the comment, oh, these interest rates aren't bad. My interest rate on my first house was 18%. 18% is three times the interest rate it is in 2023. I get that. Mm-hmm. But you know what else is three times what it was when your interest rate was 18%? The cost of the house. The cost of the house is three to four times what it was when you got it at 18%. And you know what else has not kept up when you bought your house at 18%? Wages yeah. and salaries. And you know what else has gotten astronomically out of control? Prices of cars, prices Student of food. Student debt. Student debt. Who can tell me that salaries and wages have kept up with student debt? They haven't. They won't. No one can tell me that. That's exactly the problem. No one can tell me that. So that's why when you have a boomer like Dave Ramsey say, drink one more or less latte a day. Dave, when you went to college, college was a couple hundred bucks, dude. I, I kid. I'm hyperbolizing here. <laughs> and they didn't but it was even, very different. And they hadn't even invent, invented lattes yet. <laughs> yeah, and you were, still, you were drinking black coffee, homie. <laughs> you were drinking triple mocha latte grande. Right. Your coffee didn't cost $9.00 in your first unborn child. Exactly. It was, you know. Exactly. You got black coffee at the. At Cream the, and sugar. Yeah, you got coffee at the. It's a buck ga- ten. At the gas station or you made it at home. Spencer Pushard, welcome to the program. Thanks for sending me that direct message. Spencer Pushard, the king of electrical work. And he says you can't do it without making $200,000 in this area. He says the threshold is 200 k you're a family of four and you want a one-income household. I, how many of those have, have you seen around? Probably more than you think. Probably more than you think. Oh. How about this comment? How about this topic? Are you putting the folks would like the lower thirds back on screen for which, our talking points? Which one are we on? Let's go to the Bodo's one. Bodo's Bagels has now said to their team members, masking is optional. Bodo's Bagels has now said to team members, masking is optional. Bodo's Bagels throughout the entire pandemic was on the front lines with how they were going to manage COVID. Bodo's Bagels, if you remember, they were the first to introduce kind of a makeshift drive-through. That drive-through, frankly speaking, caused a traffic jam of tremendous proportions on Preston Avenue and on Route 29. 
so much that people were legitimately asking, how is this legal, this makeshift drive-through that is spilling onto major thoroughfares? Bodo's Bagels was one of the first to limit and close in dining. Dine-in. Was, they were one of the first to close it hmm. and restrict customers to, to strictly take out and drive through only. Bodo's Bagels, one of the last to remove the masking requirement for employees, just recently removed the masking requirement. What do you make of that? Just in time to get it back. Why do you say that? Uh, I'm joking, but uh, I did see something about uh, COVID. The uptick? Being on the rise again because of what was something about the lack booster of resistance, bi- bivalent, the, the lack of bivalent uh, vaccines. I don't know, um, but a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of folks making the claim that COVID's back or it's gaining momentum again because there's booster resistance, vaccine resistance, or people are just over it. Does COVID? And Bodo's removing the mask requirement. People are joking right now. I mean, COVID is over. <coughs> I'm willing to get behind that. That COVID is over. Yeah. Is it over? It'll never be over. What's that? It'll never be 100% over. Is it over to the point that the new cycle has so much to cover right now with Jerome Powell? with raising rates, with the bank crisis, with people taking their deposits out of banks, <clears throat> the Ukrainian war, Joe Biden, the fact we're truly not in a presidential year, election year, is that why it's over? Because we have other stuff distracting us. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sure that's part of it. I'm sure there's a lot of... Uh, I'm sure there's even now still uh, fatigue over the whole thing. <coughs> And I think uh, there are probably a lot of us that uh, that would like uh, that would like our you know our businesses back. Uh, wow! All the businesses. A lot that, of us lost our businesses, right? Well, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, <coughs> there were a lot of uh, there were definitely a lot of smaller businesses that uh, didn't make it through COVID. While the uh, while the government was propping up, uh, you know, whoever they chose to, and uh, it's just uh, it, it's been a mess. I don't think there's ever I don't think there's ever been a uh, a a clear a, agreed upon message about uh, what's going on with with COVID, and I, I think we're all just fed up and done with it. Yet still navigating the collateral damage whether it's education, whether it's lack of labor, whether it's the divide being between employer and employee on working from home or returning to work, whether it's the collateral damage of expensive real estate. You take Charlottesville and Almero County alone from March of 2020 to March of this year, we're talking a three-year period. Real estate in Charlottesville and Almero County has appreciated on average between 35 and 50% in three years. 35 to 50% in three years. You talk to Keith Smith, this year alone, from January until today of this year, real estate in Almaro County and Charlottesville City has appreciated six to 9% in three months. 
Yeah. We're talking 35 to 50% appreciation for real estate in central Virginia since the pandemic. Put that in perspective for you. John Blair says this, Jerry, my wife has a friend who is leaving, leaving the villas for a townhome at Southwood for $450,000. Think about that, my friend. A townhome outside the city limits is 450 k is absolutely unaffordable to live in Charlottesville and Albemarle. He also says a family of four in Charlottesville will need an annual income of $200,000 a year to own a home, own two cars, and put both kids through college. Not a doubt in my mind, that lifestyle now requires 200 k in Charlottesville and Albemarle County. Not a doubt in his mind, J.B. John Blair, the king of knowledge. Bill McChesney, the mayor of McIntyre, I still wear a mask in public situations. I noticed today at the Martha Jefferson Hospital Phillips Center, there were patients not wearing masks. Philip Dow, the king of Scottsville, the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. COVID eroded the middle class and whittled the middle class down like a number two pencil. I think what it did is like a... uh like the tide going out, it showed what was left in the was left in the mud. Uh, I think COVID uh, COVID revealed what, what was already going on. It uh, magnified. It amplified. Yeah. It amplified. It amplified stuff that was being disguised through lipstick on a pig. Yeah. Katie Pearl, the Queen of Whitehall. I often forget about COVID and then I walk into Bodo's. Glad they are allowing their employees the ability to take their mask off. I think most would agree that it was more than about time. I would agree with that. It's your choice. It's your choice. Wear the mask if you choose to wear it. Do not condemn someone next to you who chooses to not wear a mask. It's your choice. Katie Pearl, thank you for the perspective. I really, really enjoy you commenting on the show. I relay this live on air. All right, next topic. We asked a couple weeks ago if Charlottesville City needed a curfew. And I highlighted what Roanoke City was going through. Roanoke City has a curfew law. They just don't enforce it. Roanoke City's got a gun violence problem. So now city councilors in Roanoke City, here in Virginia, the star city, they're saying we need to enforce this teenage curfew potentially. We talked about it on this show. We see who get, who's watching our program. And we notice constantly that we got the newspapers and the TV stations and the radio stations watching what Jude and I are talking about on the program. Well, someone at CBS 19 was tuning in about the Roanoke curfew and what we were talking about. And they asked the question of Mayor Snook. Mayor Snook's going to be on the talk show on Friday, 10, 15 a.m., along with his colleague, Councilor Michael Payne. CBS 19 asked Mayor Snook, our neighbor down the hallway, saw him this morning, saw him this afternoon, probably see him later today. Going to see him a couple times tomorrow. See him all the time. Great guy, nice guy, likable guy. Done a lot of good things for Charlottesville. Lloyd Snook, I sincerely mean that. CBS 19 asked him, should we have a curfew for teens? He said it's it's too early for that. It's too early for that. And I will say the gun violence that is happening 
is not happening after these curfew times would be in play. It's Monday through Thursday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. If you are 16 or under, 11 o'clock curfew. Friday and Saturday, midnight curfew. A lot of this stuff is happening before those times. That's yeah. a scary thing. Yeah, I don't okay. think a curfew is... I don't think a curfew is going to have an impact. No. If anything, it would just be a perception type of impact. Yeah. Not a tangible impact. Mm-hmm. You put the curfew in the same category as the gun buyback. As an opportunity to see, like, you're trying to manage perception for the community. We'll ask Mayor Snook about that on Friday. Um, anything you want to add on curfews? No. No? You agree with how we covered it? I think we covered it well. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to have a whole lot of effect. I mean... I think it would. I think it would have a greater effect on kids who are uh, who are not doing anything illegal than it would any kids out doing, you know. Um, Stacy Baker Patty says Martha Jefferson Hospital dropped masking. That's in response to Mayor of McIntyre Bill McChesney's comment mm-hmm. on a different page. Vanessa Parkhill, the queen of Earliesville, the student debt is often a choice. Many young people are looking for the full college experience, not just the education. That often means going out of state to schools like Penn State, Alabama, etc., joining the fraternity, sorority, playing club sports instead of staying home for two years, working a part-time job, and going to PVCC. Vanessa Parkhill, a Penn State alum herself. The two-year route at PVCC and then staying in state for the final two years is undoubtedly the most cost-efficient way of doing this. If you want to manage college debt, go to a school in Virginia, but first go to Piedmont, live at home with your parents, get above a 3.5 GPA at PVCC for your first two years, and you're guaranteed acceptance into any state school. If you live in Charlottesville and you go to PVCC for two years, you get a 3.5 GPA or better, you're guaranteed to go to UVA. You could choose to live your final two years, third year and fourth year at UVA with your parents as well. And if you do that, you're really on the hook for just third year and fourth year tuition at the University of Virginia and not necessarily room and board. She's saying you could do it that way if you want. It's about picking and choosing your battles. Regardless, a lot of folks coming out six figures plus in debt, if not larger. Vanessa Parkhill, great comment. I mentioned this live on air, period, enter send. All right. Um, Last topic, the last two lower thirds, you can rotate 80% of K-Tech students from Almaro County, and then the best and worst thing I've seen on Twitter. Were you able to take a screenshot of Nancy's tweet that I sent, J-Dubs? Uh, yeah, I think so. That was the tweet that you sent me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First, put the, uh, the 80% lower third on screen, if you could, please, sir. All right. Um, man, what am I seeing on the feed here? Breaking news is happening in real time on the show. Ah, Lord. There's a school shooting in Nashville. It's going on literally right now. 
Officials expected to speak soon. At least three children killed in Nashville school shooting. Good Lord. Literally is happening right now. Tennessee governor monitoring response to shooting at Nashville school. Three children dead. Nashville officials about to talk. I'm so sick of this crap, dude. I'm so sick of this crap. Yeah. I'm so tired of this. This stuff effing resonates so much with two boys at home. Kevin Higgins said two adults were killed as well in that school shooting. Damn it. Ugh. I don't understand the concept of not wanting as much protection around schools in today's day and age. I have a truly difficult time understanding not wanting to protect our public schools and our private schools like Fort Knox. I think the bigger question is how do you do it? What? How you manage the perception of how you do it? Is that what you're talking about? I... No, not perception. How do you actually do it? I mean, we had cops that were afraid to go in and do anything in uh, one of these recent... Uh, Carol said it was a preschool through sixth grade. Ah, She says, God bless them all. Amen. Three adults dead. Oh, this is like a hop, skip... That's where my bachelor party was. Nashville? Yeah. Curtis Shaver was there. Another school shooting. Mm -hmm. I disagree with what Katrina Colson said on this show, and I agree with what Bellamy Brown said on this show. I think this race, the delegate race that Bellamy Brown, Katrina Colson, and Dave Norris are in, I think the number one topic in how people are going to vote is, is violence. I don't think the number one topic with how folks are voting is uh, women's reproductive rights. I think women's reproductive rights, and I'm all for women having absolute autonomy with their body. Government shouldn't tell a woman what she can or cannot do with her body. That's ridiculous. We are not living in a time of 400 years ago or 300 years ago or 200 years ago. A woman should be able to do whatever she wants with her body. But I think the top topic in this delegate race, Brown, Colson, Norris, is guns and violence. Okay. Oof. We got off track. You can put the screen. Uh, so this stat on screen, 80% of KTEC students are from Almaro County. It's from a Charlottesville Tomorrow article. This Charlottesville Tomorrow article was the best thing I've seen on Twitter today. We've introduced a new segment on the show called The Best and Worst Thing We've Seen on Twitter. This is the best thing I've seen on Twitter today. If you could put Natalie's screenshot on, her last name, and Natalie, if I'm messing up your last name, I apologize. Is it Natalie Krovitz, K-R-O-V-E-T-Z? Natalie Kravitz, Krovitz, I apologize I'm messing your name up. I'm going to retweet your tweet right now. I'm going to quote it. Your tweet is being highlighted on the I Love Seville 
I Love Seville show right now. I'm tagging Natalie in the tweet. I just sent it to her. She's sharing an article from Charlottesville tomorrow. And in this article from Charlottesville tomorrow, it includes statistics about how many students in, in, in K-Tech, the Charlottesville Admiral, uh, Tech Technical Education Center, Technology Education Center. I think it's Technical Education Center. Can you give me the exact definition of K-Tech? That A is about to be changed because Charlottesville's uh, schools have purchased K-Tech. Almaro schools. They In the Charlottesville Tomorrow article, the reporter highlights how many students go to um, K-Tech that live in Almaro and go to K-Tech that live in Charlottesville City. 80% of the student body of K-Tech, 80% currently are Almaro County residents. Yet Charlottesville City bought this technical school. Natalie says in her tweet, you have the screenshot of the tweet still up? Yeah. She says, I'm questioning the city's decision to buy K-Tech. 80% of the students are from the county, and we right now don't have a plan on how to pay for this, let alone the renovations that are needed. And she also says, and possibly the county students would have to pay tuition to go here. Am I missing something? Rory Stolzenberg, the planning commissioner, responds to Natalie and says, KTEC's future was in serious doubt under county ownership since they mainly wanted the land to build a non-technical school on. Very possible they would have excluded city students either by rule or de facto via schedule changes or eventually shut KTEC down altogether. Hmm. Natalie then responds to Rory by saying, I guess that's not how this article read to me, but in general, there's not much clarity. I think K-Tech is essential for all area students. I'd hope the city can come up with specifics sooner than later, but I'm not holding my breath. Here's a statistic that really jumped out to me from this Charlottesville Tomorrow article. Alboro students comprise 80% of the student body at K-Tech with 295 students attending, compared with only 67 from Charlottesville. As of now, both city and county high school students attend the school free of charge. Under the joint operating agreement between Charlottesville and Almaro, when a partner makes a bid to purchase the other's share of the school, the other must sell their share for the appraised value or buy the school completely. This is a cluster. Five and a half million dollars of taxpayer dollars to buy KTEC. It's going to be expensive. Most of the kids are from Almaro and not Charlottesville City, 80% of them. And you got to wonder why this purchase was made. You know who put this on my radar first was John Blair. John, you were the first to put this on my radar, dude. About Almaro buying KTEC, or Charlottesville City buying KTEC from Almaro. You were the first to put yourself on my radar. The more I dig into this, the more odd this purchase seems. Lisa Custolo, I, ag I agree that the abortion debate is atop of the issues for delegates, but I think the issue atop the list is gun violence with women reproductive rights a close second. And you are right, Sarah Buczynski, it was a uh, Catholic school.
There are often times where I, I, I question why local government is doing something. This KTEC example is one. Yeah. I'm going to take this link from Charlottesville tomorrow, and I'm going to share it in the comment section of my Facebook page. I just shared it now. I'll share it in the comment section of the I Love Seville Facebook page. I just did that. And I'll share it in the comment section of the I Love Seville group, in the comment section of my LinkedIn, and across 15 Twitter pages right now, and on every other social media platform. Read this article. Read this article on KTech from Charlottesville tomorrow. I'm putting it on the interwebs. Let's go to Judah Wickhauer on a two. Are we on a two? Yeah. What do you want to close with, sir? Uh, let's see. Last thing? Sure. Anywhere you want. I trust your judgment. All right. I don't know if you're ready for this. I don't know if Charlottesville is ready for this, but uh, I uh, tried Soul Barbecue. You tried what? Soul Barbecue. Where's that? uh, It's where Chili's used to be. On Route 29? Uh, Yeah. Was this Sunday with the family after church? Yeah. Okay. Was it good? I got a little gift for you. Oh, you made a gift? Yeah. Is it Jif or is it Gif? Gif. You're sure it's not Jif? Like the peanut butter? Very sure. They have a robo-cat. A what? They have a robot-serving cat. If you look at your screen, you can see the cat snoozing while it waits for a, uh, for a tray to uh, become available for... This robo-cat drives around the tables at this barbecue joint on Route 29? Yeah. And it serves people food? They have a lot of servers. I don't think this actually serves people food. I think maybe it just brings special items or something. Oh, so this is for more, this is for more pomp and circumstance and conversation than actual functionality. I mean, it functions, but uh, it's currently snoozing. As you can see, the little Z's popping up around its mouth. This barbecue joint is in the old Chili's location on Route 29. It's big. It's a, it's a giant space. They've got uh, the, you get a lot of food and it's all you can eat, but it is uh, on the pricey. How the much pricey are we talking? Side. Uh, I think lunches are $21 for adults. 21 bucks for a barbecue buffet? Lunch. For a barbecue buffet? Dinner. And I think all... Is it a barbecue buffet? No, it's not a buffet. But you said it was all you can eat. Yeah. So they just keep bringing it to your table. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think all weekend is dinner prices. And dinner prices, are, I believe, are $31 for, per adult. That's astronomical. But they give you... $31 for the weekend for lunch per person? Yeah. That's but, a lot of money. But you can sit there. Well, I think you have an hour and a half. I see. You picked up the tab for your, your mom and your dad. Generous, Judah. It's expensive stuff. <laughs> uh, but it's good. They've got a... Uh, That's a lot of money, dude. It better got, be good. You get, uh, you get a couple barbecue items, and you get uh, a bunch of uh, hot pot items. And you do both. So it was, I think it takes a little getting used to. I just tossed everything 
uh, into my into the hot pot. And then I was like, huh, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Uh, but it's it's still good. And then you get some barbecue stuff that you just toss on the little. Uh, there's like a center uh, barbecue, and you just put stuff on there, flip it over, and pull it off. And everybody can basically share all the stuff that you order. Interesting. Can you update the lower third on screen for the name of this place? So we can highlight it. Juan Sarmiento wants to know, was the food excellent, and would you go back and pay $31 a head again? Mm. Ooh. Hold on. I'm getting the name of the place. Uh, Todd uh, Raff says, K-Tech should be run by a completely different board and state ownership. Billing each district per student, both adults and high school kids. And he said the one he attended in New York is thriving. Carol Thorpe says, last shooting, last info on the shooting in Nashville, the deceased shooter in Tennessee is reported to have been a teenage female. That's different. That a is A teenage different. female as the shooter. That's very different. No less sad. Normally, a lot of the shooters are white males. Teenage female shooter here. Um, uh, would you go there again at $31, knowing what you know now? It'd have to be uh, have somebody to be. else picking up the tab, or am I putting words in your mouth? You're putting words in my mouth. I apologize. It'd have to be a special, uh, a special occasion. Okay. Well, is that a special occasion kind of place? I mean, it's certainly a fun. It's certainly I mean, thirty-one dollars a head is a is a good chunk. Yeah, but you can't go to. Uh, you go to the mill room at Borset for thirty-one a head. What's uh, you go to the mill room? That's five we, star. It's been so long since we've been. You go uh, CNO at thirty one ahead. Really? You go CNO for thirty. I'm confident not if, CNO not restaurant has getting, stuff on in the twenties on that. Not market. if you're getting something to drink. Let's see CNO restaurant. I think there there's a now. It's not all you can eat. Here's was all you can eat. CNO dinner menu. I'm going there right now. Dinner menu. Ah, you can't go to CNO for $31 a hand. I take that back. Yeah. No, you're not going to CNO for $31 a hand. You could get the gnocchi at 24 The only item on the menu for the dinner menu in the entree category that's under $31, there's only one, and that's gnocchi. You're not going to CNO for 31 a hand. Let's see if you're going to the mill room. I, I, I need to choose my words carefully here. I love the mill room. I think the best cocktail in Charlottesville is the old-fashioned at the mill room. The restaurant at the board said, I truly, sincerely, sincerely mean that. I love that effing cocktail. Let's see the dinner menu at the mill room. Is there anyone at 31 bucks a head? I, they got a burger in the 20s because I've had that burger. You're not going to C&O for 31 a head. The mill room, I'm calling up the website. It's loading as we speak. Bandwidth looks a little stretched right now on the board's head website. I'm confident there's a $24 menu, a $24 burger there, roughly. I'm thinking the closest thing to this is uh, Melting Pot. And uh, that's, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're not getting out of the Melting Pot for. There's a boatload of stuff at the mill room for under 31 than, bucks ahead. I don't think you're going to the Melting Pot for less than 30 bucks. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say that this place is uh, irrationally priced. They do give a lot of food. I just got a text message from a, a viewer and listener that's listening. Um, there's a new Korean barbecue in the old Rock Salt Champion location. Korean barbecue. 
Hmm. Yours is Korean barbecue, right? What? The place you went to, Korean barbecue? Korean barbecue and hot pot. So there's a Korean barbecue that just opened in a... Yeah, I think I'd heard Rock about Salt that Champion one too. Location. Stu Rifkin helped broker that leasing deal. Front of the program, Stewie Rifkin. But this was, I mean, none of us could finish our food. And if we'd wanted to, we could have ordered more at no cost. So that ought to tell you something. We, were, we had enough to eat with the, uh, the first, our first ordering. And the guy that served us was nice enough to bring me a to-go cup so that I could, uh, you're not supposed to take anything out. Because it's all you can eat. But um, considering the fact that we didn't order seconds and then try to take yeah, most you, of the You guys home. went in light. What? You guys didn't, you guys didn't take full advantage of the, 30, of the all you can eat. They can't. Some people go in there starving for days. Either starving for days or they just, you know... Well, then they don't know how to... Got lifted. Well, got they a little, don't know how to eat. little smoky smoky to get an appetite. Starving yourself before you try to stuff your face is not the best way to get How the, about a little smoky smoky to get an dollar. appetite and then go? Those people know how to eat, right? Maybe. You don't think so? I think that's a strategy. That will give you an... Voracious appetite. That'll give you an appetite. It won't help you, uh, it won't help you eat a lot. Just because you're hungry doesn't mean you're going to have the stomach to... Uh... Well, what's your plan? I mean, you've got you've to have eaten something fairly recently. Enough to have... Enough to, your, your stomach stretches and expands. I'm with you. So if you haven't eaten in five days, your stomach has stretched to such a small, you know... When, if you start trying to stuff your face, you're going to find yourself full very quickly. So if you're trying to stuff your face, you're having a, a bratwurst and, some, and a glass of eggnog before you stuff your face to stretch your stomach. I mean, I'm not a strategist for this kind of thing, but yeah. <laughs> Sounds I would, like it. I would think that you would want to have eaten at least recently enough so that your, your body could accommodate the types of food you're wanting to push down your throat. Albert Graves says they have the private um, THC smoking bars around town for us to venture to. Private I see those tea. popping up from time to time. Um, he also says that Seville uh, can use K-Tech to give their public housing students a brighter future. Let's hope that happens. I hope that happens. I thought you did a great job today. Thank you. Um, that's the show. We did the best we could with what we had. That's what we do every day, right? I feel like we do that every day. Um, Judah Wick Coward, Jerry Miller, the I Love Seville show. Yeah, Marquise, a female shooter, teenage female shooter. We saw that shooting in Nashville, unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, Juan Sarmiento says they say on their menu that they will charge you for excess food you do not eat and leave on the table. Yeah, I remember seeing on the menu that uh, I think it's 14 or $15. On top of the 31 if, if you leave over a pound of food at, at the table uneaten, I mean, it, it's, do they weigh that? It does sound crazy, but it also sounds uh, very reasonable to me. They bring you a lot of food, and if you were to order more food and leave, I mean, a pound of food is a lot of food. A pound of food is a lot of especially, food. Especially if you're getting, I mean, they've got some, they've got some good steak, they've got some good meat. You know, they've got a lot of good stuff there. And if you're just going to leave like a pound of it. Pounds a lot. To be thrown away. I, that's almost criminal. I, criminal. 
Yes. Criminal. If you're fine leaving a pound of food on a table uneaten. No, yeah. I, I'm not fine with there it. There are I people would, that... Uh, there are that people have that, no food. There yes. are people that, you know... We're, I have this conversation with my son on a daily basis. And, and I'm not just talking about people that can't afford food. I mean, we were talking earlier in the show about, uh, about people that are living in uh, CRHA housing. They're not going to, they're not going to the Seoul... Korean barbecue and hot pot. Not at 31 bucks a head. And I'm not trying to throw shade, but 31 bucks a head ain't cheap. Exactly. I mean, your dad basically dropped after, did you you guys each get sodas? No. Just waters? I got, I think my dad was the only one that got a, got a drink. Did you get a water? Yeah. I mean, did your mom get a water? They brought everybody water. It's kind of like a regular restaurant in that regard. He basically dropped Basically, right near what one hundred and forty dollars for lunch. I mean, I didn't, I didn't see the bill. I mean, you figure yeah, ninety three just... bucks. What's the Charlottesville charge? Like eleven percent for taxes and all that jazz. So there, you're at a hundy. Yeah. Hundy and change plus the twenty percent tip. Big Jim's generous. I mean, you're talking a buck twenty five, buck thirty, buck thirty and change. Quite possibly, yeah. Buck thirty and change, and you guys didn't booze it up, and you had H two O and and only one soda. That's a nice chunk of money. No doubt. For lunch. Yeah. Nice chunk of money. I appreciate that. I did not know that. Good insight right there from Judah B. Wickhauer. Thank you. Um, So do you recommend it? Would you tell people to spend their hard-earned money there for a meal? That's what people want to know. And Juan Sarmiento says that that, uh, robot, that cat robot that you showed on screen, is also at uh, Iso Iso Ramen. Really? The ramen joint. They also have that there. There it is again. And he said, professional eaters do not starve themselves before competition. Are you going to suggest and put the good Judah B. Wickhauer name on the line and advise people to spend their hard-earned $31 at this restaurant? If you like... Up! I, just let me freaking talk. Up! This is a politician's answer. No, it's not. Yes, I did enjoy it. Yes, I would say go check it out. And I was going to say, if you like uh, the, oh, what is it? I can never remember the damn name. Um, the fondue place. Melting the melting pot. pot. Yeah. Yeah, place is if good. If you like the melting pot, this is like a. Barbecue like version. A, an Asian version of that. There you go. It's Nicely. good. It's enjoyable. Nicely done. Um, it, it's, perf- it's perfect for uh, uh, if you've got a, a vegetarian They've got lots of vegetarian options. Um, it, was a, it was a good place. It's a great review by you. I would, but I would, I would recommend talking to someone that's been. And You've been. You have been. You're the one that people count on yes, for advice. But I'm They're not. They're counting on you. Good grief. <laughs> it's okay to say go. If someone doesn't I'm like it and telling, you tell them to just, go, it's totally just, fine. You're just... You don't know what you're talking about because I'm, you don't know what I'm going to say. I was I, going to say find someone that's been there and ask them the best way to, to eat the food because it's, you can't just do what I did and toss everything in the pot. Good advice. Good advice right there. Ali Muff, nice to see you active in the community, Judah. Ali, it's been a while. Ali's a good man. Yeah, I'm giving you props right now. I, I've gone. Uh, I've I've gone rock climbing with Ollie uh, once or twice. I'm giving you some props. I believe Ollie is watching in Colorado. Wow! Right now, welcome to the program, Ollie. All right, that's the show. We got to get out of here. I got a. 
meeting coming up. Um, all right, Friday, 10.15 a.m., Lloyd Snook and Mike Payne. Lloyd Snook and Michael Payne, Friday show, 10.15 a.m., Real Talk, write it down. Um, Judah Wickhauer hit a home run. My name is Jerry Miller. This is the I Love Seville show, where we talk Korean barbecue, gun violence, affordability, small business, and Judah's scary, scary face. Multiple folks are asking for yeah. you to close with your scary, scary face. There we go. I like it. That's there intimidating. That's quite intimidating. Yeah, For Judah Wickhauer, I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seagull Show. So long. Good job, good job.